Hello, and welcome to the turbulent world of Middle East soccer, or Mideast Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. There's a potential silver lining in Hindu nationalism's endorsement of Indonesia's humanitarian Islam. That is, if the approval produces a Hindu equivalent. At first glance, Hindu nationalist Ram Madhav's call on Indian Muslims to embrace one, if not the world's most moderate expression of Islam, seems patronizing and out of step. Mr. Madhav is a member of the executive of the RSS, an almost century-old militant right-wing Hindu nationalist paramilitary volunteer organization, a former national secretary general of India's ruling BJP party, and a close associate of Prime Minister Narendra Modi. In an essay published by Open, an Indian current affairs weekly, Mr. Madhav, widely viewed as a moderate among Hindu nationalists, called on Indian Muslims to adopt a moderate form of Islam, propagated and practiced by Nahadatul Ulama, the world and Indonesia's largest Muslim civil society movement. Nahadatul Ulama advocates reform of what it calls obsolete and problematic elements of Islamic law, including those that encourage segregation, discrimination, and or violence towards anyone perceived to be a non-Muslim. Humanitarian Islam further recognizes equal rights for Muslims and non-Muslims, unrestricted acceptance of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and interfaith relations based on shared common values. If adopted by Mr. Madhav's RSS and BJP, it would be an approach that would contribute to the restoration of a semblance of societal harmony in India and help halt the backsliding of the country's democracy. Several Nahdatul Ulama associated bodies welcomed Mr. Madhav's endorsement as an opportunity to place humanitarianism at the heart of interaction between different faith groups, regardless of religion, and across different sectors of society, ranging from mass organizations to governments, in order to promote peaceful coexistence and enshrine equal rights before the law. Mr. Madhav's essay appeared against the backdrop of mounting Hindu-Muslim communal violence that critics believe is fueled by the BJP and RSS's anti-Muslim rhetoric and policies. Muslims account for 14% of India's 1.4 billion population. Last week, the Delhi working-class neighborhood of Jahangiripur witnessed some of the latest incidents. Riots erupted when participants in a Hindu procession allegedly brandished weapons and chanted anti-Muslim slogans as they passed through predominantly Muslim areas. There was car... Chaos, said Sudarshan Prasad, a 71-year-old Hindu. I've always lived here in peace. This has not happened in the last 40 years. Days later, 
authorities imposed a curfew and cut off internet connections in an area of Jodhpur, the capital of Northern India's Rajasthan state, following altercations between the Hindu and Muslim communities. The crackdown occurred as Muslims celebrated Eid al-Fitr, the holiday at the end of Ramadan, and Hindus commemorated the festival of Parashuram Jayayanti. At about the same time, tension was building in the state of Maharashtra, home to India's financial capital, Mumbai, after Hindu leaders demanded that Muslims remove loudspeakers from their mosques because the call to prayer constitutes noise pollution. Bucking the trend, one Hindu village in the state gifted a loudspeaker to the mosque in a neighboring Muslim hamlet as a gesture of harmony. In his essay, Mr. Madhav insisted that the RSS had distanced itself from violent language and talk of annihilation of an entire community that he termed un-Hindu. Even so, Mr. Madhav went on to say that the Indian social leadership needs to stand up to forces of hatred and violence by invoking peace, inclusive, and a nation-first narrative. India's narrative of the decade should be, it's the economy, stupid. The onus lies on all of us. In an interview with the author, Mr. Madhav insisted, But there's no such organized ideological or philosophical movement that proclaims exclusivity. Mr. Madhav argued further that there was no difference between Hinduism and Hindu Tava, the Hindu nationalism of the BJP and the RSS. However, he conceded. When it confronted with very hardline things like Wahhabism, it created some kind of a reaction in some sections, possibly. But Hindutva is not about that. Hindutva is about core Hindu values. Mr. Madhav's reference to Wahhabism was to a Saudi-inspired, austere, ultra-conservative, and supremacist interpretation of Islam. Mr. Madhav acknowledged that Hindu-Muslim tensions would undermine Indian efforts to ensure that the country witnesses the kind of transformative economic growth that China experienced in the 1980s. Asserting that the leadership of Indian Muslims, the world's third largest Muslim community and its biggest Muslim minority adhered to Wahhabism, Mr. Madhav wrote that violent elements, whether Muslim or Hindu, do not and should not represent our respective mainstream communities. Mr. Madhav suggested that the hijab a head coverer worn by a large number of non-Wahhabi Muslim women signaled belief in Wahhabism's purported purpose of pitting Muslims against non-Muslims. A more inclusive and humanitarian Islam on the lines of the one promoted by organizations like Nahdlatul Ulama must be the way forward for them, Mr. Madhav wrote. Many of Nahdlatul Ulama's women activists and followers sport a hijab while embracing the concept of humanitarian Islam. In the interview, Mr. Madhav suggested that his reference to the hijab was related to a dispute over the headdress 
after the BJB governed state of Karnataka banned it in schools because it violated the school uniform. A court later upheld the ban. In India, there is no restriction about uh, uh, hijab in marketplaces, in private uh, gatherings, in public movement, in, on the streets, everywhere those who want to wear hijab will wear it. Only when you insist that even in going to a school, I have to violate the school discipline because this is my religion mandates, is what I call that, that Wahhabist influence. Mr. Madhav said. In 2020, Mr. Madhav met with senior Nahadatul Ulama leaders on the sidelines of an executive committee meeting of the conservative centrist democratic international CDI, the world's largest alliance of political parties, hosted in the Javan city of Yogyakarta by the Indonesian movement's political party, not National Awakening Party, PKB. Mr. Madhav attended the CDI meeting as an observer. Some European and American officials privately hope that increased engagement with India in response to the war in Ukraine and big power rivalry in the Indo-Pacific will strengthen the hand of the more moderate wing of the BJP and the RSS. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz has invited Mr. Modi to attend a summit in June of the Group of Seven or G7 in the Bavarian Alps. The G7 groups Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, Britain, and the United States. Mr. Madhav's embrace of humanitarian Islam and Nadatul Ulama's engagement hark back to notions of an Indianized civilizational sphere that encompassed South and Southeast Asia for nearly 15 centuries before the arrival of China, Europe, and Islam in the region. In a gesture at a time when religious and cultural sites have been at the center of disputes and conflict in India and elsewhere, Indonesia agreed in February to open Prambanan Temple and Borobudur Temple in Java to worship by Hindus and Buddhists. The sites have been mainly closed for decades for worship. In the interview, Mr. Madhav said he... I don't want to use any such, uh, I mean, uh, uh, very, very you know, loaded uh, phrases. Like an Indosphere stretching across Asia's parts. However... See, we all share certain civilizational values. Whether it is Hinduism or it is Buddhism. In India, we have religions like Sikhism, Jainism, and we have Islam in Af uh, with Eastern, uh, you know, value system like Indonesian Islam and all that. Mr. Madhav suggested. So maybe we all can stand up and talk about these values that we all should espouse and we all should commit ourselves to. Those values include respect for pluralism, inclusivity, commitment to the nation-state idea, you need to have, in other words, what you call as patriotism, mm. nation-state idea. If some such thing can be worked out jointly, we would be definitely happy to do that. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, at www 
www.jamesmdorsey.net. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.